Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Michael Bruce, and he's also known as the Sleep Doctor. This by far has been one of the easiest interviews I've ever done. Michael takes us down so easily into the five ways we can get better sleep and also, and really fun, was figuring out what is our sleep avatar? What is our chronotype? And we're either a lion, a wolf, a bear, or a dolphin. And you can actually go and take your quiz before you listen to the show if you want. And you can go to chronoquiz.com. That's C-H-R-O-N-O quiz.com. One word. If you're interested in knowing ahead uh, before you listen to the podcast, but either way, you can do it after. And it just tells us, hey, maybe you would benefit by not napping. Maybe you would benefit by getting up a little later just based on your chronotype. So we get into sleep, ways that you can monitor your sleep which monitors or tracking systems are really working well? Is it true that our teenagers can't wake up and why? And also what supplements or things might be safe once we figured out kind of our good practices and sleep hygiene that would be safe to take to help us just get a little more relaxed and maybe get into sleep better. And he's written a ton of books. Some of them are The Power of When, Beauty Sleep, Energize, Good Night. And his website is thesleepdoctor.com, where he gives tons of information on sleep, a blog on sleep, and all sorts of supportive products around sleep. I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Hello, Ma. Push the earth away, Gabby. Hi, how are you? Good. That would be the best interview I ever did. No one ever heard me. You could just ad lib it. You'd be like, well, Gabby, that's interesting. What your t- looks like you're asking is I probably am smarter that way, actually. Uh, I don't know if you're smarter that way, but I can definitely run an interview on my own at this point. I, for sure. Actually, you can. OK, I've, I've been watching you and seeing you. I'm like, oh, you should be interviewing people. Your, your sense of ease is like, you know, off the charts. But I guess maybe it's because you're well rested. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I think it's a little bit of that, but honestly, about three years ago, I just decided to have more balance in my life. And that has been, that has served me incredibly well. Did you see a difference in the way you communicated oh, you yeah. know, in your speeches and what have you? Like, how did you, what, when you say you mean away from work? Well, it was included. So I joined a men's group. And the men's group that I joined was great because we do breath work in the mornings, meditations in the mornings. We have hikes every Sunday. Like it's, it, and 
it's really interesting because the men's group, I'll tell you briefly about it. So it's kind of funny because uh, Laird might actually want to join it. You can't talk about politics. You can't talk about religion and you can't talk about gender preference. Those are the three rules of the group. All bets are off as far as that. And it's men only. So yeah. we have lectures every Saturday and we have programming during the week. Um, and so we bring in, like we have a we have a roundtable for crypto if you want to learn about crypto investing. We have a roundtable about breath work if you want to learn about breath work. And so we go through like all the different types. We have a meditation expert who comes in and teaches us all how to meditate. And so we meet as a group on Zoom every morning uh, and I do my meditations with my guys and yeah. I've done it without them and with them on Zoom. And it's so much better with them on Zoom because afterwards we do a meditation and then we share briefly like what's going on in our world and then we wish each other a great day and we start our days it's funny you know women do this so naturally yes. and you know and and um i've watched laird for years we used he used his training and like our home to have men come and it was exactly what you're saying it's a men's group it's a supportive environment yes that doesn't have to be around it's it's about actually supporting probably more the spirit and the life than like it's a work colleague and you slam beers and you, right. rawr, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's more like, like it's like saving space to allow people to show up and learn and, and take some chances. Cause I like, if you met me five years ago, I would have told you breath work was bullshit. Right. Like first words out of my mouth. Okay, come on. So you're a sleep professional expert. Yeah. And, but I mean, Okay, so even, you know, certain meditation and there's medical scans. We never taught about any of that. You got to remember, like, my training is all on the medical side. Even though I'm a PhD, I don't right. know if you know my history. So as a PhD, I actually took the medical boards without going to medical school and passed. I'm one of those kooky people who can do these things. But what was fascinating is during school, they never taught us about meditation. They never taught us about breath work. They never talked about how, how your physical self can affect your sleep. Like that wasn't what we were taught. We were taught about sleep apnea, narcolepsy, insomnia, right? Like here's the disease, here's the protocol, go fix it. Like that was it. And there's so much more to sleep than that, that that's what I've been spending my last probably six to eight years studying. And then three years ago, kind of had an awakening that said, hey, you need to slow down and figure yourself out. And so that's what I've been doing. You know, I think that this is important because the, the, the other thing is sometimes when we even when we know better, that's almost dangerous to us because oh. you're, you, <laughs> to your point, right? Like you're so informed and you're you're helping all these other people that you think because you know it that somehow you're sort of doing it, too. Oh, it's even worse than that. No. So here's what happens is when you have any level of intelligence about one particular area or you're an expert in one area, you think you're smart enough to figure it all out. Cause that's my problem. <laughs> right. And, and I, I've said this a lot on whether we like it or not. And you have this, and I'm sure continuously when people come to see you, it is the practice. You just said you meet your men's group every day and do this meditation. It's like, we know we can do it. We can do it in moments, but ultimately it's how do we set up our lives to be right. more times than not in the practices yes. that we're trying. Like, yeah. you know, we always say, Larry calls it, you know, the, the spokes of a tire or, you know, if one's off or three are off that wheels not functioning. What do you, what do you think 
did you have to hit a bottom or are you just smart enough to realize you weren't actually being your best to, to kind of course correct? Oh, no, I ended up in an ambulance in a hospital. Oh. <laughs> that was my so wake up call. So you're smart, but like, you know, yeah. doctors are the worst patients though. Okay. So oh, yeah. tell me, I mean, cause there are people who go, Oh, I wasn't, I was not happy and I was not connecting with my partner and then they course correct. But most of us have to get shebangled a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so my, so here's what I did. So I did it in the typical alpha way that you would do something right. Is I was like, I'm traveling every week, lecturing all over the world. Right. So, you know, you get that. Right. And so I'm like, I'm totally stressed out. I'm a runner running helps relax me. No problem. I discovered that if I run a 5k under a particular time, it really helps reduce my anxiety. Great. So as it got worse, I started to run a 5k every day. Then wow. I decided, oh, maybe I should run two. And you can you can see where it goes, right? It's like my stress kept compounding and the only mechanism that I had that I felt comfortable with using, I just said, let's just increase it. But that's where the balance completely gets out of whack because as you know, you can overtrain, you can overexercise, you can damage your body, you can do all of these different things. Um, and that's where the balance comes into play. But what's fascinating is a lot, when you look at it from a sleep perspective, a lot of people get completely whacked out of balance when they don't have good sleep. Right. I had great sleep, as I'm sure you can imagine, I sleep pretty damn well. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, I kind of know all the secrets, but I had, I had the good sleep going, but I had gone so overboard on the exercise side that my body basically was like, no bueno, man, we're done. And woke me up fast. Was your heart or what, what was it? It was a cardiac event. Yeah. It's funny too. Cause the thing is, if you talk to any real endurance athletes on top of it, it's like, no matter what it's, it is tough on the heart. And I, I, I genuinely believe that with running, um, it is, it can be for most human beings, not everybody. There are those people who are real runners. Right. It's so hard on your joints. And then I, people, you say to me, I go, well, if you did barefoot, you live in a place that you have access yeah. to sand, yeah. but you're I not in your favorite part of California, other than where you live. Yes. I live in the beach volleyball capital of yes. the world. I used to be, have my office there. And, um, but it's funny because, you know, runners want to, they're kind of, they like to run at a clip at a pace at a thing and sand running is a trek and a lot and real runners are like, forget it. Right. You know, like they want to, they want to fly. Oh yeah. No, so, and that, moving that fast feels good. Was your family whispering to you at all prior to this? Like, Hey, uh, or just you were have you had it all together. And so nobody penetrated that. You know, I was, I think for me personally, I think the, the real, the real way I did it was it, it wasn't conscious. It kind of crept up on me. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, you know, like you, you, you know, this story, you end up at a hotel, you've flown in, you're jangled from flying. You've got to fall asleep. You've got to give a lecture the next morning, or you come in and you've got to give that lecture. You come off the stage and you're, you know, you're vibrating at such a high intensity. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I can't go to sleep for hours and hours and hours after I speak. And so what do you do? Well, the hotel's got a gym. <laughs> yeah. Treadmill I might as well hop on the treadmill yeah. and run, you know, and that's what I did. What do you get from, and I'm, I'm going to dive into uh, the chronotypes and just sleep and hacks because sure. I've always had a, I, I always say for the most part, I had a 
maybe, you know, just everybody has their stories, but I, I never was a great sleeper and I've really paid attention to trying to sleep. And then I always joke then that once I got a little better, then I started having children and then, right. back, you know, not sleeping. And then yeah, well, you oh, so, they'll sleep and then yeah. they're teenagers and then you're sleeping again. Well, it goes out of craziness. But what is it that when you do, because obviously this, you're you you have found one of the things that you would be good at, right? Yes. Like, I, you know, where you probably are naturally good at science and there's some other things. Yep. What is it though? I'm always fascinated when people are locked in with their, one of their purposes because you probably could have used this tool, you know, app, applied it 50 different ways. What is it that you get from it? Like, what when you when you help people and yeah. you get them to make these changes? What is yeah. that? What are those those their victories for you? It's easy when you change somebody's sleep, you change their life. It literally happens that way. People don't show up on my doorstep saying, oh, gee, Michael, I'd like my sleep to be a few percentage points better, right? People show up on my doorstep and they're like, I am completely screwed. I'm sleeping three hours a night and it sucks. Or I have so much going on in my life. I need to actually reduce the amount of sleep that I'm getting just to complete the activity load that I'm trying to accomplish. And so I've had, I, I have people who come to me usually in one of those two camps. It's pretty rare that somebody says, you know, I'm a pretty good sleeper, Michael, but I'd like to be a little bit better. Usually yeah. they're, they're hurting. And so when I make a change, it's dramatic. Like it happens fast. And, and it's really interesting too, because a lot of the things about sleep that people think about are completely counterintuitive. You know, it's like one of my favorite things I talk about with insomniacs is I'm like, Guys, you go to bed too early, right? Which is, a, and people are like, what are you talking about, Michael? Right, like I, I can't sleep. If I'm freaking lucky, I'm gonna sneak into bed when all the kids aren't looking, right? You know the story, right? And I'm just going to catch the sleep I've been missing. And then what happens? You're freaking exhausted. And then you look at the ceiling and you can't sleep, right? right? You're just yeah. sitting there going, oh my God, right? Because you're going to bed too early for your circadian rhythm. You know, we we're going to mention chronotypes. Yeah. That's one of the things is there's actually a genetically predetermined time when we should go to sleep and when we should wake up. All we have to do is follow it. And guess what? Life gets so much easier. <laughs> so let's let's talk about that in, in, in a couple of different variations. So me as an athlete and, you know, um, I live with somebody who is like, you know, it's 830 yeah. and Laird once and, and Laird is a person who can fall asleep quickly, but he naturally gets up early and that's just who he is. Right. Um, but we were taught for so long about the sun. Yeah. Right. And so it was like, oh, you know, back in the day when we were farming and they didn't have electricity, it was dark and everybody went to sleep. And your circadian rhythm is freer where you're located and da, 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 right. da, da. Yeah. But you sort of dive down and, and it, there was only sort of two categories. It was like yeah, oh, you're a night bird. owl and you're an early bird. But you I'm fascinated to know how you jumped um, oh, yeah. into into four different categories sure. and also. Where do you get the, the balls to be like, hold on a second, people. Some people actually maybe function going to bed a little later and getting up yep. a little later. Hell yeah. Well, so number one, I'm a night owl. So the balls came from it was me and I was going to start telling people. So I don't like taking meetings before nine or 10 o'clock in the morning because it just doesn't work for me, you know. And so I kind of work that into all my stuff. And so people seem to people seem to understand that. But I'll tell you where I discovered it was with my patients. So I'll, and honestly, it was a failed patient where I really zeroed in, right? Because I mean, look, we all have failures, right? With our 
clients, with our patients, all, all these things. So had this one woman come in and um, interesting story. So she was like, look, Michael, I'm about to get fired from my job. Life isn't going well. This is a whole huge problem. And I was like, okay, look, seriously, let me talk to your boss. Because what we discovered over the course of time was if she had gotten up later and gone to bed later, we thought that she would work well. She said something to me that I thought was so fascinating, which really kind of kicked it off. She said, I feel like my body's in the wrong time zone, right? Yeah, she's intuitive. Right? And so prior, this is Kate, right? Yeah. Okay. So prior to sort of this, what was your, how did you approach patients prior to somebody who was more in touch with what was going on with them? So again, I was in doctor mode, right? So I was like, hey, do you have apnea? Hey, do you have narcolepsy? Hey, do you have, and so, right. So, you know, you get stuck in these idea paths, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can't see other things. And it wasn't until I failed where I learned my greatest, I mean, let's be honest, we all learn the best when we fail. I rarely learn when I succeed. I mean, I have to succeed. Being successful is, it, it almost feels effortless and easy sometimes. Like once you've kind of lined it all up because you kind of know your path, but where do I learn the most? I learn the most from my failures um, by far. And so she failed. I mean, she really failed. And so when she told me, look, if I could just sleep, you know, from probably one o'clock in the morning until, you know, let's say nine and then go to work by 10 and then do all that. So I called her boss. I asked him if we could do it. And he was like, I'm going to fire her at the end of the week. I mean, no, no BS. This is a hundred percent true story. He was like, she is gone. I was like, no problem. So we did it. I called him on Friday and his reaction was awesome. He was like, I have three more employees. I want you to see. That was the first thing he said to me. He was like her work product through the roof. She's, she's at meetings. She's viable. And so that was like the one time where I was like, okay, I was treating somebody the wrong way with the wrong thing. I need to figure out what is the right way. And then I started to wonder about my other patients, right? Like what, how many other ones could I have? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in, in good stead, I was trying to help them, but what if they had these circadian rhythm issues that I was unaware of? And so I started to kind of dig in. And then to be fair with you, I thought there were only two, right? And I, I thought early bird night owl, dig into the research. They actually came up with early bird night owl and hummingbird. Right. Right. Was the one in the middle. Right. And so, okay, that's kind of cool. But when I, when I had this woman, Kate, which by the way, is not her real name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I just thought like, this is the eluding of the, that story, but this exactly kicked it off. And so that's really what was so fascinating to me was trying to, trying to look at all, all the research, right? Because once we discovered what was going on, I have over 220 studies in my most recent book, and and I didn't do one of those studies, Gabby. Like this is work that's being done around the world, and it's really cool. And so what I discovered, so once we figured out her sleep, then she told me this thing about what she called time zones, where she said, you know, there are time zones during the day where I work better or Mm -hmm. I play better. And I was, I was like, well, that makes sense because, and started thinking about it. I'm like, well, hormones go up and down in a very particular pattern. If you're in the market or you've been curious about blue light blocking glasses, somebody gave me a pair of blue blocks about two years ago. I'm always just trying to find ways to, you know, get it done at night, but not maybe be exposed to so many bright lights. And, and you know, you're not gonna make your house dark. So somebody gave me a pair of blue blocks. And then when COVID hit, I did research and get them for my girls because they were looking at their computer all day long, doing their schoolwork. 
And what I love about this company, the more I learned about it, is the fact, besides the fact, okay, I'm not gonna lie, that they've got you know, over 20 styles and frames, so it's really fashionable, um, but that they consider the science. The founders were looking for a company to buy from, and they just were not happy with the quality and the lack of science behind leading blue light blocking uh, glasses. So what they did is they made blue blocks, and blue blocks are backed by the latest science and made under optics laboratory conditions. I mean, we're talking about your eyes all the way in Australia and they can make them prescription, non-prescription readers. And there's a lot of conversation around blue light and you know, maybe it's tough on your eyes or you, if it does impact your sleep, right? Like for me, it's low energy, you get a little heightened anxiety. So this is just a way to defend against that. And they are giving you a great offer today. If you go to blueblocks.com, that's B-L-U, blox.com and use the code Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y at checkout. Not only will they give you 15% off your order, they offer you free shipping anywhere, which like I said, is no small feat. They're all the way in Australia. And so I said, okay, maybe the circadian rhythm is affecting the hormones, which affects the behavior. Yes, it was ridiculous. And to be clear, I'm not the guy that figured that out. Um, but I culled all the research together. Yeah. Dude, I can tell people that's the best time of day to have sex, eat a cheeseburger, ask their boss for a raise, exercise, drink coffee, drink alcohol, all based on research. It's crazy. Right. You're synthesized the information. And, and you know, what's interesting is that I, I heard once that happy hour was because that's when men's testosterone drops just enough that they're ready to stop taking on every task and kill that's it. And they're funny. ready be social right. um, and that that was actually part of it um, because hormonally ma males apparently have a cycle every 24 hours like where women have this 30 day cycle right men have this 24 hour cycle so I always thought that that was interesting so I did I did my um did you do your chronotype yeah what would you guess that I am how could you like, guess? I don't know. I haven't asked you enough questions to probably give it a guess, but okay. you told me about Laird and you said that Laird gets up early and falls asleep pretty easily. So, and you said it with a little bit of like, eh, grudge? in a your, grudge? a little bit <laughs> in your voice. Just, I'm just saying Gabs. So I think that you may fall into the category of maybe being a dolphin, um, some, one of my problem sleepers, or you could be a night owl. I'm not sure yet. Okay, so weirdly, it's funny you said that because when I took the quiz, I thought I would be a dolphin. Like, right. you know, with the one, because for people who don't know, dolphins sleep with one side of their brain on. <laughs> it's not only so that they can look for uh, food, right. but it's also so that they probably remember to breathe, I would imagine. <laughs> yes. Because they would drown, yeah, right? Of course. So, um, so what'd you come out as? Weirdly, like everybody else, the majority. A bear. Mm -hmm. So I actually would rather be a bear than be a wolf, to be honest with you. And I'll tell you why. You know, most of society's schedule is on a bear's schedule. What were your parents? Um, you know, I didn't really know my dad. My mom is a complete night owl, cannot get up and function in the morning. And I, so I don't know, like me, I had to get up to get right. to school on time because nobody would get me up. Right. Um, I was the one who made coffee and did everything because there was no, there, nothing was happening there. Um, so, so let's talk about how you arrived, um, at these, at, you know, at the dolphin, the wolf, the bear. Yeah, well, let me, do, let me describe them. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, also, uh, I love the idea of, you know, the animals that you 
chose. So the animal, so there's a funny story about the animals that I'll tell you real quick. So you, you, you know what it's like, you're writing a book, right? And you're in the marketing meeting and they're talking about how are we going to market this book, right? And so I had four avatars of different, uh, right? And so the question was, what are we going to make the, are they colors? Are they numbers? Are they crystals? What, what could they be? So I was like, well, I'm a mammal. So I'd like them to be mammals. I think most people can relate to that. Here's what we discovered, Gabby. Nobody wants to be a platypus. Right. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a porcupine, right? right. <laughs> so we had to choose animals that were aspirational. But sure. my, my one criteria was the animal actually has to have the same circadian cycle that they're representing. So early birds turn into lions. I mean, who doesn't want to be a lion, right? I kind of wouldn't mind. Um, so lions are early morning people, right? Kind of more like COOs of a yep. company, right? Kind of militant in their thinking. Step one, step two, step three, kind of very, you know, regimented, if you will. Get up nice and early, 5.30, which is disgusting to me, but that's just how I'm they like you. it. I think when it's dark, I say to Laird, I go, when it's dark out, I don't, I want to, I don't mind early, like six, but right. when it's dark, like I'm- The universe I, does not want you up when it's dark. It's just, it, and you'll you'll meet people who are these lions and they're like, it's the most peaceful time of the I day know. and all I this stuff. And I'm like, are you guys out of your mind? Yeah, so, so this, is, this is like, what, about 15% of the population? Yep, yep 15%. Okay. So the, my thing is, is the only thing I hate more than mornings are morning people. They're so <laughs> freaking chipper. Ah. And they come at you. <laughs> I wonder if it, I wonder if you if ever do you ever have couples that come in and go we're so opposite ends of the spectrum and we actually have to navigate our languages with each other all the time. Well, the biggest one is when to become intimate. When to have sex, yeah. Right. So when one person's a night early bird and one person's a night owl, like how does that whole thing work? I actually made a matrix in the book so you can put your chronotype across one and your partner's chronotype across the other, and you can figure out what are the best times for intimacy. And I even made a special one for lesbian couples and a special one for gay couples because the hormones are different, right? It's awesome. Oh, oh. yeah, no, it's it can be it can be a mess when it comes to couples. But here's the problem with lions. There's yeah. problems with lions, by the way. People are like, oh, I want to be a lion. You know what the problem is? Dinner in a movie is out. Maybe yes. since like four thirty in the morning. Like yeah, they're fading. Out and parking. No, right. they're 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 people who get a, probably a lot done. But there is a I don't want to say a rigidity, but there's sort of a rigidity. You can say it. There's okay. a rigidity. These people are not flexible. Yeah, and it's like, and plus they're falling asleep. So even if they really want to, they really right. want to. Right. Um, they're they're going to bed. They're done. They're done. <laughs> Although there is a secret. If you have them, instead of working out in the beginning of the day, if you have the, a lion oh. work out around two or three, they had much more energy for the rest of the evening. And that's how we get those people to stay up for award dinners and things like that. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. So then there's bears. That's you. Yeah. Bears are the best. Don't look like that. I would love to be I wanted a to be a fringe animal. I didn't want to be what 50% or whatever the population is, you know. No, you want to be at 50% because you have the greatest likelihood of getting good sleep, right? Mm -hmm. And last time I checked, you still train pretty hard, yeah. right? Yeah. There's a rumor going on around that you might be trying to do something amazing soon. Oh, so really? Gonna, yeah, there's a rumor that you don't know about the rumor? No, let me hear it. What, what rumor did is that you're going to be... The rumor is, is that you're going to be trying out for the Olympics again. Oh, that's not me. Maybe they're confusing <laughs> me with Kerry Walsh. Those, listen. No, I heard it about you. 
Really? That's amazing. I, yeah. I guess my spreading rumors really worked in my favor. Perfect. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Uh, OK, so go ahead. So, <laughs> so I, if you're going to train and you're going to train hard, which you train every day anyway, whether you're going to be yeah. in the Olympics or not, being yes. a bear actually turns out to be the best because you have the most flexibility with every aspect of it. Because as a wolf, I have no flexibility in my mornings. I just hate Hater. them. Right. Yeah. I just hate them. Whereas with the bear, you can kind of do a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, now, a wolf is the night owl. That's me. Yep. I'm the lone wolf, uh, the night owl for sure. Um, and we are very different. We have a tendency to be more artistic. Uh, we have a tendency to be more like that kind of weird, dramatic type of person. So artists, actors, um, not generally athletes, to be honest with you, because um, athletes don't do well as night owls. A lot of my athletes are early, early morning lions um, or what we call a hybrid early bear. Believe it or not, there are hybrids of uh, people out there as well. Um, so but it's you, fun. Huh? You, Go ahead. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but you've yeah. talked about also, I think it's important. Um, I want to I want to talk about um, the the wolf and the and the dolphin a little more. But is that sometimes different cycles of our life? We are are different, oh, yeah. you know, different types. Well, you've been all of them already and you don't even realize it. Right. So when we're a baby, we're a lion. Right. Because we go to bed really early and we wake up really early. <laughs> right? Unfortunately. And yeah. then we're toddler and middle schooler and we're a bear, right? So we go to bed around the time when the sun goes down. We kind of, when, you know, it's kind of in the middle, right? Yeah. Then we turn into teenagers and then the wolf comes out in all of them, right? Okay. I don't know about you, but when Is I was- Is that hormones? Is that hormones? It's actually a, bio, a, a shift in your biological clock that changes your hormonal output only during those years. It's quite fascinating, but your brain basically tells the, your hormone generator, which is your pituitary gland, yeah. to, to actually put melatonin starting later, not earlier, right around age 12 or 13, and it continues till about age 18. So this is why it's like freaking impossible to wake up your teenager during high school to get them to go. I have two teenagers that one in, uh, just got a freshman in college and one's a senior in high school. So oh, these me, I, I live it. Wait, so let's talk about your kids for a second. Are they a boy and a girl, a girl and a boy? Yeah, so my, I have uh, my son, Cooper, and my daughter, Carson. And how has, so you're, the older one is a boy? Yep. Okay, so he had to go through his senior year in freaking COVID? So, yeah, so he's actually, so he went through the end of his senior year in COVID and his entire freshman year at USC in COVID. And my daughter was actually studying Mandarin in Beijing, and we had to evacuate my daughter from Beijing at the end of January um, to get her safely home. So she's been home to online classes and done her entire senior year from, from home, unfortunately. So how do you, like just switching gears for a second as a parent, um, you know, because my kids are, are, I have older than your kids and I have younger, so they aren't, for me, it's like, I, I thought that I'm like, could you imagine graduating from college or high school right now, trying to launch into this new phase of life oh, during yeah. this time? Have you, have you guys had any, how have you managed it? Or has there been conversations yeah. around, like how have you supported them? So it's hard. So number one, having a schedule and a regimen really works well, especially when there's chaos everywhere else, when you can feel like you have a level of control for your person and yourself. That's been one of the big things that's been super duper helpful for myself and my children. Um, another one, honestly, staying on a good sleep schedule, 
waking up at the same time every single morning, even Saturdays and Sundays. And I know that sucks to all of the listeners and the watchers out there. But the truth of the matter is, is the more consistently my kids wake up at the same time every single day, honestly, the better they perform and the happier that they are. Um, the second one is movement. Um, so many people have stopped moving because they feel quarantined, right? Yeah. I, I saw a video of a guy who ran a marathon in his apartment, right? You know what I'm saying? Like he just needed it that bad, right? Yeah. And so here's what I'm telling people is sleep is recovery. And if you don't move, you've got nothing to recover from, right? So thinking through this as an idea, the stagnation and the, of the quarantine is, is terrible for our motivation, but also for our sleep. And so we're keeping our family very active. Um, we play tennis, we go for runs, we walk down by the beach. Um, we do anything and everything we can safely and at a social distance with yeah. masks on wherever it needs to yeah. be. Um, but we are very, very active. And that has been, I would argue, the biggest savior for me during the pandemic. And did you, as a incredibly over-informed father, <laughs> have to battle? Talk to me about screens. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's an easy fix. That's an easy. Oh, really? That's yeah. an easy fix. Yeah. Let me tell you the story at my house. Okay. So I went up to my, so I told my kids and I said, Hey guys, um, we need to slow down using screens before bed. You know, there's blue light and I have kids that are gamers. So they would be gaming, gaming, gaming until they, you know, kind of passed out. Um, and so I said, Hey, I need you to stop doing that. And so they said, sure, dad. And then they didn't listen to me and they just continued to do what they wanted to do. So I walked downstairs and I turned off the router in my house. <laughs> I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Right. And so all of a sudden I hear, dad, the internet is broken. What's going on? And I said, oh, I think I know the problem. Everybody should come downstairs and come. I'm going to show it to you. So I brought them all downstairs and I said, that's the router. Okay. So here's the deal. Either you stop with the lights and, or I turn it off. Or if you want to keep going, you got to do this. You got to wear blue light blocking glasses. Great. So they said, dad, we'll do the blue light blocking glasses. So here, which was fascinating. So first of all, then they decided this would be a great option to make fun of our father. So then they started getting the glasses and taking pictures with them and posting them on their Instagrams saying, look what my goofy father is making me do. He's yeah. making me wear these blue light blocking glasses. Which hey, is whatever it takes. Exactly. And then here's what, here's the most interesting thing that happened. About two months after this experiment started, my son broke his pair of glasses. He asked me for a new one. Mm. You don't see that. No, but also if you know, like if you go intuitively, if it's like, hey, it's this is helping. I got my daughter's some blue blocks glasses prior to when when all this started doing it because I, I was like just using it to kind of, as the sun was going down, you know, mm -hmm. bright lights or what have you. Um, Okay, because I'm curious, because sometimes I'm like, every other house has a system in place better than, than I we do. I don't uh, think they do, to be honest with you. I think there's, in my world, it's threatening and bribery that seems to work the best yeah. um, <laughs> with kids. And so, you know, it's things like, I mean, I'm fortunate because I've been beating sleep education into my children since they were like three. So the good news is, is they have to listen to me about those types of things. Yeah, but, you know, we always joke that an expert, somebody who lives in a mile away, you know, like I have a, my 13 year old is very tall. She is perfect 
absolutely built perfectly and for perfect volleyball. for volleyball. Yep. I don't want to be you. And I was like, yeah, I don't want you to be me either. But I just, <laughs> I haven't actually suggested the sport for anyone else because they're not, she's built for it. She's highly competitive, but she's social. Ah. My other daughter plays tennis because she was more like her dad where they like to be alone and it's on them. Right. Um, so it's always interesting that we say, I always say, sometimes I feel like I can impact people who don't know me. They're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. That's so knowledgeable and helpful. My kids right. are like, get away from me, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. So nobody takes sleep. Nobody takes good sleep advice from me at home, right? I've actually had to call in colleagues, other okay. sleep specialists. If you don't believe me, talk to her because right. she's going to say the same thing I did. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I think it's, we're all navigating that. So I, um, do you, do you have, um, a, like a, do you tell people to look out for certain things when they're buying blue light blocking glasses? I do actually. So there's a couple of different things that you should think about. There's three important factors for blue light blocking glasses. So one is you have to have a coating that actually blocks out the blue light. Right, so the uh, blue light is 460 to 480 nanometers. So you have to have the right lenses to do that. That's number one. No, so that's the frequency. Number two is the brightness. Most people don't know this, but brightness actually has an effect. That's why the amber color is incredibly important. I've seen a gazillion of these with clear lenses. They're not gonna work for shit, okay? okay. I'm just letting you know now, they're missing that part out. Also, you want them to be fairly big because the angle of the light becomes important. So you notice how I've got these readers on, there's lots of light that can come in through here. But once I stick these suckers on, like oh. you can't get a whole lot of extra light in here. So it helps contain it. So those are kind of like three big things that I would be thinking through in terms of like, if you're looking for blue light blocking glasses. Yeah. And but, also people can, you can turn your glasses into readers or prescription yeah. or any of that. So I think it's important for people to realize that they, they can, they can do that. So let's jump back to um, to the dolphin. <laughs> sure. And, and, and the wolf. To, and the wolf. When do I get to talk yeah. about the wolf now? Yeah, we, I want to talk about the dolphin and the wolf because I I think it's really, you know, I, I hate to say it, but also picking these, you know, compelling avatars also makes people I think go, well, oh, that is interesting. I wonder what I am. Right. And maybe I'm a you know a lion or whatever. I know, right? So uh, maybe just we can talk about the wolf and the dolphin. You bet. So if people, first of all, if people want to know how to figure out what they are, if you go to chronoquiz.com, yep. you can learn in about three minutes. Um, so it's super simple. But the wolf, which is what I am, is the night owl. And so, again, we're very creative, artistic people. Um, believe it or not, impulsive. many of us are. What's that? Impulsive? Yes. Impulsive, right? Absolutely. Impulsive and high risk takers. I like that. I know, well, it, it served me well and it served me poorly on many an occasion. So, you know, you got balance, Michael, balance, right? I keep <laughs> thinking that word. <laughs> like you said, I could probably run the interview all on my own. Um, so dolphins are my problem children. So I really wrote the book, The Power of When, all for my dolphins. Um, and here's the thing that I love about dolphins is they try so freaking hard. So when you think about a lion, just think about uh, uh, when you, a dolphin is a lion with high anxiety is how I like to think about it, right? And so these are people who, they're kind of, their vibrational energy is woo, like when they wake up in the morning. Believe it or not, dolphins are great to actually be intimate in the morning because it helps calm them down. Right? Oh, like some kind of love and soothingness sort of helps yeah, them. Well, yeah, well, I mean, oxytocin, you know, like if you reach the point of orgasm in the morning, you right. have a whole different perspective to your day. If you're a dolphin, 
your perspective is much more positive and on point because you've reduced that level of anxiety. Lions and dolphins actually fit together well in the morning time because dolphins have a tendency to get up early anyway. And so having sex early in the morning can actually be better connection, better performance um, as well. And for men who have libido issues or erectile dysfunction, much higher levels of testosterone in the morning time than than in the evening. So I'm always recommending morning sex. Plus, let's be honest, what do most men wake up with in the morning? That's right. I mean, you, you might as well take advantage of that. I um, mean, if that's not Mother Nature telling you when to use that thing, I don't know what is. They, so the dolphin, they're, they're the least, they're, they're about 10% of the population. Do you find them to be more female than male or? So that's an interesting question. You know, initially I thought that they would be because I felt like women would have a greater likelihood to have that level of anxiety or at least be talking about their anxiety. You know, it's interesting when you look at men and women from a sleep perspective, most people think that women have insomnia and men have apnea. But if you actually start talking to the women who have insomnia, many of them actually have apnea as well. So it's been an interesting battle between the sexes, if you will, in terms of sleep. But I would say uh, arguably more women have a tendency to have insomnia and more men have a tendency to be snoring and have sleep apnea. Um, The only differential is, is once you hit menopause, women actually uh, move over to the apnea side because you start gaining weight and your hormones change a little bit. But, you know, when you look at it from a, from a dolphin's perspective, right. And like, how do I get through life and what's going on with me and that kind of thing. I don't think that dolphins are at the level of diagnosable anxiety. I think it's just like, you know, they're a little twitchy, you know, a little, they're wound a little tight. Right. And we just want to loosen them up just a hair uh, to get them doing better. And so they respond great to exercise. They respond great to structure. And so that's really where we hit them hard is with the structure. And I'll tell you this, a lot of my dolphins, maybe 25 or 30%, once we get them locked and loaded into a sleep schedule, we find their true chronotype pops up because they were artificially in that dolphin one because they were all in their head all the time. And when we get them out of their head and into their bed, things seem to work a lot better. It is interesting, like you saying in this men's group and even starting the day with a with a, some type of meditation, there's something about getting out of ourselves yes. and, you know, and the, every, you know, you always hear about the I right. and sort of just getting out of that and over that, that, that perspective really sets us up in so many, uh, some, you know, so many better ways. So what about, um, if you have somebody that, you know, your patient comes in and listen, they're working and they're going to work late mm-hmm. um, and they're going to be looking at computers. So you, you say, okay, where are the glasses? Um, but does the, have we seen, you know, a rise in, you know, not having as deep as, or restful sleep since technology has really been become oh, yeah. a part of well, our day to day? Here's the thing I would say, Gabby, is just like everything else, sleep evolves, right? So if you think about sleep in the 1920s, right, in the 1960s, right, and in the 2000s and now in the 2020s, like, The universe has changed dramatically in each one of those times, as has sleep along the way. So I I would argue that sleep has has evolved into somewhat of a difficult process for for many people. And I think people are confused about it. There's all this technology going like, you know, do I track my sleep? Do I do I do blue lights in the in the morning to take away my melatonin? Do I do red light blockers at night? I mean, you could go cuckoo trying to figure all this stuff out. Honestly, so I came yeah. up with a five-step plan that I thought I could fire away. If you're cool with that, I, I'm 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 the passenger. 
welcome to Michael Bruce Ride here. You're on my bus. Yeah, so, absolutely. Step number one is to wake up at the same time every day, seven days a week. So here's what's interesting. You know, people are always like, oh, I can catch up on my sleep on the weekends. Great study came out about four weeks ago. Five and a half hours during the week, eight hours on the weekend. Follow these people for six weeks. Monitor focus, mood, attention, and memory, right? Here's what happened. Week one just starts going down. Starts going down, starts going down. Starts... So their focus, their mood, their attention, and their memory is all declining each week, even though they're getting their catch-up sleep on the weekends. But here's the most interesting part is if you interviewed them on Mondays after they got their catch-up sleep on Saturday and the catch-up sleep on Sunday, they thought they were perfect. They would rate themselves at 100%. And when we put them in tasks, <laughs> terrible. So you think, yeah. right? Your brain tells you, dude, you're good. Monday morning, you can crush it. You are, you are running at it with like two bald tires if you're lucky, you know? So yeah. step number one, stick to one wake-up time, one chronotype. Step number two, caffeine. This is a biggie. I'm a big fan of caffeine. Not really. All right. So let's talk about it. Lots of people are using caffeine in a lot of different ways. And they don't know that caffeine has a half-life of six to eight hours. So if you have a cup of coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon, at 10 o'clock at night, half of that coffee is still on board. Here's yeah. a scarier statistic. The quarter life of caffeine is 12 hours. Wow. So if you drink a cup of coffee, I know, right? If you drink a cup of coffee at nine o'clock in the morning, a quarter of that caffeine is in your system at nine o'clock at night. Well, and then they have people that are either fast or slow metabolizers of caffeine. So and, and who are more sensitive, right? So we've got right. people who can dip through the caffeine fast yeah. or it slows down, yep. or some people are more sensitive than others. But here's right. the bottom line. Caffeine's a stimulant and it messes up your sleep. Yep. So the further away that you can stop caffeine from when you go to bed, the better. So step number two, stop caffeine by 2 p.m. Step number three has to do with alcohol. There's a really big difference between going to sleep and passing out, okay? <laughs> well, <laughs> Let's avoid the passing out, yeah. right? But look, I like wine. I like scotch. I like beer. Actually, I like all, all of them. So is it okay to still use those or how, Michael, can we use those and still get a good night's sleep? Very interesting. It takes the average human body approximately one hour to digest one alcoholic beverage, right? Depending on size and weight yeah. and age and all that kind of in there, right? So, and the other thing that we know is alcohol is a diuretic. Once you break the seal, you're peeing all night long after you started drinking, right? So what do you got to do? If you have one glass of wine, drink one glass of water, wait one hour. If you have two glasses of wine, have two glasses of water, wait two hours. When you hit the third drink, that's when the problems start. <laughs> um, because here's what's happened is you're, to you're toxifying your brain by adding more alcohol. And so your brain says, oh crap, I'm getting sleepy. I better spike cortisol to give me energy. So now you're an energetic drunk. This is not gonna help you to be able to go to sleep. It's great for watching the Super Bowl, but it's not good for going to bed. So step number three is to stop alcohol three hours before bed, and then you can avoid all of that and stick to two drinks if you possibly can. Yes, okay? I think alcohol, you know, I know, and I, I have no moral issues with alcohol, um, <laughs> but it just seems like something that ultimately overall is not working in our favor 
When it comes uh, to sleep, I would I would agree. Yes. Well, in so many, even the sugar. If you want to talk about sugar oh. addiction and stuff, like I, why do they have the donuts and stuff at AA meetings? Because half of the addiction is the sugar addiction. There's no now, question about. And it. everybody talks about the alcohol, and I'm like, yeah, but the sugar is well, lighting so you your brain up. But you got to remember, Gabby, is people haven't even thought about sugar until within the last seven, five to seven years. Right yeah. is the first time I've heard anybody talking about sugar. The, the sugar and alcohol is crazy. Here's the thing that people don't realize. When you drink, you don't go to sleep. You anesthetize yourself. Okay, yeah. that's different. That's not sleep. That's actually closer to being in a coma than it is to actually being asleep. And so when your brain wakes up after it's been anesthetized, it, it doesn't know what happened. This right. is the reason why people wake up at three o'clock in the morning. They're like, what the hell happened to me? I'm still in my clothes and I got to pee, Right and you're wondering what's going on, you were just anesthetized or you anesthetized yourself. So please avoid alcohol roughly three hours before bed. Yep, okay. Step number four is gonna be one of your favorites. It's all about exercise, right? So you gotta, gotta exercise. It's tired. 20, yeah, 20, 25 minutes a day, cardio if you can, that's really the best thing for sleep, generally speaking. But remember, exercise raises our core body temperature. So step number four is to stop exercise four hours before bed to allow our core body temperature to decrease and be able to relax. Now, I know that uh, Laird has a tendency to want to do ice baths and crazy stuff like that. So some, people, so some people have asked me, should you do an ice bath before bed? What, you have a question? No, no, go ahead. So here's the problem with an ice bath before bed. It's too alerting. It shunts all the blood immediately to your torso and it wakes you up. I actually do a cold challenge in the morning in my shower and I find that to be a much better way to do it. And here's a little trick for people out there who've got insomnia is about 90 minutes before bed, you can actually take a hot bath and it will raise your core body temperature and then it will artificially drop. And that's a signal to your brain to release melatonin. And that can be quite helpful. And I was going to say to, to your point exactly is um, the sauna, if we're going to do anything Love the idea. to bed, it would be the sauna and, and it's counterintuitive because the cooling down is what helps you go to sleep, right. but you just explained it. And I, I think it's funny, I've spoken to neuroscientists and she has said exactly what you said about the warm bath yep. prior to bed. So it's a, it's a great explanation. Okay. So number five, right? Number five is... You got, these are three things that you have to do in the morning for your wake up. Oh. It's the rule of 15s, okay? So when you wake up in the morning while lying in bed, you need to take 15 deep breaths, right? So we need to center ourselves and we need to understand where we are in the universe, right? So 15 deep breaths wakes up the respiratory system. Sitting next to your bedside should be a minimum of 15 ounces of lukewarm water, just room temperature water. Many people don't know sleep in and of itself is a dehydrative event. You lose almost a full liter of water from the humidity in your breath and the sweat and the oils and things that are coming from your body. I know that's gross, but it's the truth. So drink up, okay? And then the third 15 is you should walk to the window or better yet, walk outside and get 15 minutes of sunlight to help turn off that melatonin faucet in your brain. And there's a little side thing that I do in the morning personally. I don't tell people that I'll tell you. So here's what I do is I go outside with my dog He's awesome. And I take off my shoes and I put my feet on the earth. I don't know a lot about grounding, but all okay. I can tell you is it feels good. And so that's what I do every morning. <laughs> and that's my morning routine. That's step number five. I, uh, you know, I just appreciate this because first of all, all of this is so helpful. And, and 
you know, I, again, as somebody who has, I've never been an easy sleeper. Um, We're going to fix that. Don't worry. I, I've been getting there. So let's just talk about a couple little extra things. Do you ever have people tape their mouth closed uh, when they sleep? Yeah. So mouth taping is an interesting kind of new phenomenon that started to come around. And it's interesting. Um, a lot of it got more popular with a guy named James Nestor wrote a book called Breath. Breath um, yeah. So James and I are good friends. Uh, we've talked a couple of several times before. And so a couple of things to think about. So number one, you should breathe through your nose. Let's be very clear about that, okay? Nose breathing is the way to go. Um, it's filtered, it makes it warmer, it makes it easier. Like it, I tell people like this, if you breathe through your mouth, it's like getting that gas that's like at the 87 versus the high test at the 91. You know what I mean? Like you want the good stuff going through your nose. Um, however, um, many people, if they have congestion, or if they are heavy, or if they have difficulty breathing, they'll slightly part their mouth and then their tongue drops out and then they're just mouth breathing, right? So, and to be clear, mouth breathing isn't good because it causes a wind tunnel and it sucks your tongue to the back of your throat and it cuts off your air causing apnea. So you really want to avoid that. A small piece of tape between here and here, to be clear, this is not duct tape. You do not go all the way across your face. This is a, this is a less than a one inch piece of tape that goes directly in the middle. It has to be a micropore tape so it doesn't rip your lips off. I've got people who use masking tape. No, that is stupid. <laughs> like this, just use yeah. medical tape, guys. Like it's not that hard. Small they do have piece. A soft one. It's yeah. very nice and soft. Yeah, it, and, and now they're making ones that are like specialty mouth tape and stuff like that that are actually pretty cool. So I recommend it, but there's one caveat. If you've not been diagnosed with sleep, if you don't know if you have sleep apnea or not, it's a really bad idea to tape your mouth shut. So if you think, if you snore, or if anybody next to you thinks you have sleep apnea, please, 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 before you tape your mouth shut, go get a sleep study. <laughs> yeah, it could be it can be dangerous. The other thing is, is is that people have to realize that they do breathe. You can just practice, like you said, during the day where you will build moisture between your nasal passageway and your lungs, and that will start to open up. I, I've oh. talked about this before. When I really started concentrating on nose breathing um, is I actually, I had to have a, when I was a small child, my nose carterized. I used to have bloody noses quite a bit mm. is I, for about a week in the shower in the evening, I would get a slight nosebleed when I started doing more nose breathing. And I don't know if it was sort of working its way open. Right. Cause, cause your mouth is, you get about three times more air at one shot. Right. And so people want to do it um, and just to give it a chance. 100%. I'm excited to talk to you about a new company that I learned about in the last month or so called Somavedic Technologies. I'm just calling it Somavedic because it's in my home, it's in my kitchen, and what this is, try to picture this, a round, beautiful, mine is green, they've got other colors, red, blue, even this stunning gold, and it's inside of it. It has precious and semi-precious stones and minerals, but you plug it in the wall, and so it has this beautiful glow, and it's a sphere that creates a 360-degree coherent field with a radius of 100 feet, and that's in all directions. And this helps the body to better deal with EMFs, geopathic zones, and a lot of other things. And the thing I love about this is that, besides that it's beautiful, and I'll be honest, I've had mine going for a couple of weeks in my house, I don't know. I do feel, I don't, I've just been feeling really good. I think this would also be a great thing to put in a workspace. 
And this is all, you know, created because the founder, Ivan, was having his own health issues and he was trying Western medicine and he wasn't having all the success he was looking for. So he turned to traditional Chinese medicine and focused on a variety of healing properties. Um, and some of that involved precious and semi-precious stones. And this was the inspiration for Soma Vedic. And it is a true combination of this sort of ancient medicine and technology. It looks beautiful, you feel great, and they have a great offer for you today, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not getting the experience of like improved sleep, even more energy, productivity, um, you know, you can try that and get that from Somavedic, and if you're not experiencing that, they will give you back all of your money if you get back to them in 60 days. Somavedic also structures water. So this leads to better absorption of water, therefore we're more hydrated, so important. They're located in Prague and San Francisco and their devices are all over the globe. So you can really feel, like my sleep, I've been feeling it, energy levels, focus. So if you wanna give it a go, head to www.somavedic.com. That's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. And if you wanna save, 10% on your purchase, just go ahead and punch in the code Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y. Well, and I think also there's a difference between athletic breathing and like regular breathing. Well, listen, when you're busting your butt, you want to dump your CO2. A lot of times I would tell people use the back of your teeth and push that CO2 out yep. so you can actually get that next full breath in. So what you're saying is is completely different than we're sitting right. at our desks. Right. And even for you, you're you're an experienced runner. You probably can do most of your run at this point with your nose. And yes. maybe you say, hey, I'm picking up my, my mile time. I'm going to kick it up. You might sh dump some of your CO2 and right. down, you know, get rid of it and start <laughs> to go through your nose. But that's, you know, for most people, especially just working, um, try to stay in your nose and then it slows down. What is it about? If you can get down actually to like four or five inhales per minute yeah. that, and then you also stay calm and there's all kinds of other great when, things. When you hit that level though, then you're, then you're relaxed, right? Then yeah. you're like, you're in it and you, you may, you're probably close to a meditative state or some type of a trans state that kind of puts you into a zone that you can either flow from or relax from depending upon what you want to do. Right. Like when I'm around some of like my, my daughter, you know, sometimes I'm like, let me try to nose breathe through this. <laughs> yeah, I think strangling them works the best. <laughs> I thought about it. I have I thought know, about me it. Too. Um, so let's, technology. Yep. Everybody's measuring and then you've got your rim and then people, okay, this is another thing. I was like living with Laird and he's pissed off every day because his sleep score, he's not ready. Yeah, we'll, we'll fix that. Is, okay. it, you know, it's, so I guess you have all these people now who they're, oh, I'm, I got this sleep and that. How do you feel about these devices, sure. first of all? So, which, so first. And do you like one more than another? Absolutely. So I'll give you the, the, the skinny on sleep tracking. Okay. So number one, I actually worked for the number, the very first sleep tracker that was ever developed. It was called the Zio, believe it or not. It was in 2008. Can you imagine coming out with a with a, uh, a device for disposable income that cost $500 in 2008? How well that went because it didn't go well. 
Um, that was the very first sleep tracker, but we learned a lot of lessons from them. And I would say in the last five to seven years, we've seen a tremendous uh, explosion uh, yeah. in the sleep trackers. But I want to be, I want to be very, uh, I want to be very open about this. Okay. Sleep tracking is not as accurate as you might imagine, right? It's not that hard for me to track steps, right? All I need to know is my length of my leg. My, my daughter can do that. That's a calculus problem, okay? My daughter can do that in her sleep. But when you track sleep, what do you track? Is it how quickly you fall asleep? Is it how quickly you get to REM? Is it how quickly you get to deep sleep? Is it the number of awakenings? Is it the length of the awakenings? Is it when the awakenings occur? Is it your circadian rhythm? I could go on for like 40 different variables, right? So sleep is a complicated topic. Therefore, it's gonna be complicated to measure. So that's number one. Who's doing it the best? The studies would show that Aura Ring is probably doing it the best, and I'll tell you why. Um, it has to do with their form factor, right? And so if you put a ring on somebody, there's a lot of data that you can collect that you cannot collect from the wrist. You cannot collect from a pad that they lie on or something that's sticking in the bed. You can get core body temperature from here. You can get pulse, you can get heart rate. There's a whole host of different things. Then algorithmically, you can actually get to them to the point of having sleep stages and length of sleep and things like that. So a recent study from, I think it was the University of West Virginia uh, actually put all these trackers against each other to be able to see what's accurate, what's not accurate, what's going on, what's not going on. And the Aura Ring and the Fitbit came out on top. Almost everybody else really didn't, uh, didn't get it done, unfortunately. But to be fair, there's some problems with tracking, okay? So number one, some people get too into it, right? Like, they get crazy. I know there's this new thing we're figuring out called orthosomnia, where people are so attached to their tracking data that they're right. actually losing sleep because they're worried about their tracker. Right. right. So, or they get up instead of going like, how do I feel? They're like, I'm not ready for this today. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. That's no, no, no. Not a good idea. But you know what I like about the idea of a tracker is you're bringing and you're focusing, you're bringing yeah. awareness to some accountability. That's it. Like for me, if you say, Hey, what is it for? It's just something that makes you mindful. You're like, Oh, you know right. what? It's, I, I go to bed around nine. I'm recognizing it's eight 45. Right. It's time. You yeah. know, things like that. I, I find it fascinating. You know, it's like, wait, sometimes people be like, I'm wait. I go, let me ask you something. How are you feeling? How's your energy? How do you perform? Right. When you look in the mirror, how do you look? It's like the scale. Because sometimes I might look and perform better and the scale would indicate I'm right. a little heavier. Right. You know, and, and so it's just reminding people that these are just, they're great uh, tools, but don't live and die by them. For what sure, if, for sure. One about, problem that I think the trackers have, Gab, that I wanted to mention for people is sometimes people look at the data and they don't know what to do with it, right? So as an example, you might it might say like, I got 14 minutes of deep sleep. Mm -hmm. Right. And people freak out. They're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? So let me be clear. The likelihood of somebody actually only getting 14 minutes of deep sleep is so far away. What you look for is you don't look at the absolute data. You look at the relative data. Right. And so if, if it says 14 minutes and it says 14 minutes every single day, you're good because yeah. there's no way it's only 14 minutes. But it's but it is consistently being inaccurate. But if it's 14 one day and 407 the next, I want to know what happened the night before. You know what I mean? That's a, that's, that's a really important point. Yeah. People get so caught up in all of this stuff, but you have to look at the trends and you have to look at it relatively. You can't say, oh my God, my score this morning was a 64. My whole freaking day is shot. 
yeah. it doesn't really work that way. And let's be honest. I mean, everybody out there who's listening or watching, you've had a bad night's sleep before. I mean, I'm the sleep doctor. I have bad night's sleeps, right? Everybody does. It's a human thing to do. What happens? We wake up and we power through and, and there's no tragic calamity that occurs, right? And so people have got to remember, sleep is a lot like love, okay? The less you look for it, the more it shows up. Oh, right? it's so true. I, oh, gosh, I can remember, um, you, you know, and I want to just on a side note, even when you talk about like your morning meditation, mm -hmm. I feel like you've put in place a corrective bumper that yes. regardless, you've created a, a launching pad to put yourself into the best trajectory into your day, regardless of your sleep. And I think that that's a really important thing. Like, for example, ha drinking your water, hydrating first thing. These are things that we can do. These are tools and practices. Yeah. So that if you're okay, you had a wonky sleep or maybe you have a new baby um, right. or whatever, or some, you got a late night call or something's going on that you have still like using that to almost help you say, okay, I'm going to redirect exactly. consciously my day. But I remember when my, I, have a, I, I think my middle daughter, she's literally, I mean, she wasn't a great sleeper and I wasn't a person who put her on a schedule. I freely admit that um, <laughs> if she wanted to nurse, she nursed, whatever. Right. And I remember looking at the bed, like getting into bed and being like, why bother? You know, <laughs> or like here, I was right. like, what, like this is theater, you know? Right. Right. And so um, I want to encourage people too, if they have small children, it's a phase, mm -hmm. you know, it'll, they will sleep, you will sleep. Absolutely. And, you know. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing to remember, right? Is so let's say if you're fortunate enough to have somebody as a partner with you, while you're trying to, when you've got a new baby and trying to figure all of this out, what can you do? Well, you should leverage that person. So what, here's what I recommend to people all the time is use an on-call method, right? So doctors are on call like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So one, one parent is on call Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The other one is Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. You flip a coin for Sunday. But what it does is it does exactly what you said is it sets your trajectory appropriately because if it's not your night to be on call, you don't get stressed when you hear the baby cry. Because you know your partner's got it covered. They might complain and they might not be happy about it, <laughs> but you you know it's covered, yeah. right? And then you can focus on you and that's important. Other things you can do is if you have opposing chronotypes, like if one person is an early bird and one person's a night owl, then the night owl stays up until two and then the early yeah. bird takes the shift in the morning if the child wakes up and then you've actually you know worked on some, some decent solutions. Yeah, I always love that. Like when you're in a partnership and you're going through the same thing, but they're talking about how tired they are. And you're just like, yeah, no shit. Thanks a lot. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. where a good sense of humor. Um, what? Okay. So I do take, um, I have a couple little, uh, I'll do, you know, sometimes I take GABA. Um, I was taking oh. a, I have this, pro a friend of mine gave me this uh, CBD product. Uh, All right, let's talk about CBD. Okay. Let's talk about GABA. Let's yes. talk about supplements. And magnesium. So yeah, so I'd love to get your take on it. Yep. So when I, so as you know, I'm a high performance sleep coach. And so as a high performance sleep coach, one of the first things I do is I do, uh, we understand what their chronotype is, but then we run blood work. And so mm -hmm. we're looking for magnesium, vitamin D, iron, melatonin. Those are the four biggies. Those have to be at par level because you don't even know if the body's working right if, if you don't if you're deficient in these things. Like I don't want to add medications, herbs. So I want to know if the vitamins and minerals that make the body function are at the right levels because that's the place to start. Right is where we're at the original place, and so that's what I do first. Once I get the, all those kind of sets straight, 
then you can start looking at things like supplementation. Now, if you're going to do different kinds of supplementation, like now I'm talking herbs and yeah. roots and things no, like not, that. I'm not talking about sleeping pills. I, I, I've actually never taken a sleeping pill, but. It's good that you haven't, but to be fair and for our yes. listeners out yes. there, yes. To, to be fair, there are people who yes. absolutely positively need a medication to sleep. Yes. And I get that. Fortunately, not everybody is like that. And I do feel that a lot of times the medication is overprescribed by physicians, which is really unfortunate. So what I want to do is give people some ideas about some things to think about if they're looking for supplementation for sleep. Full disclosure, I have my own supplement, my own line Great. of supplements. Um, so I'm telling people it's called Sleep Doctor PM. <laughs> um, and um, I actually, I, I'll describe the story about how I developed in a minute, but I want to talk about the ingredient profiles and what people should look for. So if you're looking for ingredients, arguably the one that's been studied the most is valerian. Um, to be clear, it smells terrible. Yes. You, like if you want it in a gel cap that you cannot, don't stick your nose in that bottle because you'll never, you'll never take that pill again. I can assure you of that. Um, valerian appears to work best with hops combined with it. Yes, the same hops that you find in beer is the one that can be helpful. Um, and there's different preparations that can be good. GABA, which is what you mentioned earlier, it, I call GABA the brakes of the brain, okay? So what GABA does is it slows everything down to allow the natural sleep process to take over. So there's nothing wrong with taking some GABA. To be fair, most people have plenty of GABA floating around in their heads already, right? So adding a little bit extra can be beneficial. Now, one thing people always like to ask is, well, if you add something like that or melatonin, does that mean my body's going to stop producing that inherently, right? And so the answer is around melatonin, the answer is no, that's not the case. You can actually take external melatonin for years and then start it back up in your body and stop it rather, and then your body will be able to continue to produce it. But remember, melatonin is a hormone and melatonin is a sleep regulator, not a sleep initiator. Melatonin doesn't make you feel sleepy. Melatonin tells your brain it's time for bed. So remember, uh, Gabby, when we were talking about how you could get into bed um, when you were super duper tired, but you wouldn't fall asleep, that's because the circadian rhythm is off right there, if that makes any sense to you, makes right? Perfect sense. So that's what melatonin fixes, is the off circadian rhythm. Melatonin does not make you fall asleep. Something like valerian and hopswood, um, something like magnolia bark, which is also an anxiolytic, would, would help, again, lower some of that. I've actually written extensively about all of these ingredients on my website. So okay. if people want to go, you can go to thesleepdoctor.com, and I've written a blog about, like, GABA and about 5-HTP and all of those different things. So if people are looking for different ingredient profiles, that's a good place to check out. Great. I think that's that's so helpful because uh, this might sound silly, but sometimes even the practice, again, it could be the placebo effect of you go, well, I just took some magnesium. I feel so relaxed mm -hmm. now. Whether you do or you don't, there are those days that you you're almost setting yourself up not to sleep. You've already started yeah. that thing of like, I hope I get a good night's sleep tonight right. and I really need to sleep and all this stupid, you know, alligator chatter that we do oh, yeah. that. Um, I call it monkey mind. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's, and it's the devil for sure, because it just starts going and going and going. And for many people, we call this traditionally, we call this ruminative thought. Right. So it's just you're ruminating over and over again about a financial issue, a personal issue, something that happened at work. You wish you would have said something, that kind of thing. Well, hold on, because one of your favorite uh, treatments actually can help this cold, believe it or not. So there's a there's a new device that has been recently released on the market. Uh, it's super cool. It's a head chiller. OK, 
Oh, really? Yeah, really. Just chill your brain down. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it does. So let me, t- so let me, so listen to the science because it's super cool, literally. So a friend of mine, Dr. Eric Knopfsinger was an ER doc. Okay. And when people come into the ER and they've had their head cracked open, the first thing that happens is we wrap them in ice to slow down the blood flow. And it's called the neuroprotective effect of cold. All right. So this guy had that in his head. Fast forward 15 years later, he's a sleep researcher because he got out of the ER and he's studying insomniacs. And one of the things that they're saying is I can't turn off my brain before bed. Has that ever happened to you? Absolutely. Happens to me. Definitely. So he said to himself, I wonder what their blood flow is like in their frontal cortex. So he figured out a way to do MRIs on people while they're falling asleep. And he discovered it increased blood flow across the frontal cortex in these people who ruminate. So he remembered the neuroprotective effect of cold mm-hmm. and he created a, I call it the head chiller. It's not really, it's, it's, it's got a much fancier name. It's called the Eversa Cool Drift. But what it is, is it's a thing that goes across. They the, named it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, this is, it's, it's fascinating. In your name. Go ahead. Don't worry. We'll put a link in the show notes if people yeah, want to check we it will, out. I will, yeah. But what it does is it goes across your forehead and it actually chills your forehead to a particular temperature and it slows down your thinking. Okay. So now I got to be honest with you. I thought it was total horseshit, right? I'm like, there's no way. I mean, come on. Can I just take a cold you know, bottle and slap it to my head? And is that going to work? Like teach it to me. So they're like, Michael, we want you to be part of the company. We want you to get interested in it. We're going to send you one. We want you to try it out. Okay, fine. So I've got this thing on my head, right? I've got the remote control. My wife walks by and first words out of her mouth, you look like an idiot, right? That's the first thing I hear. I'm like, thank you. I'm testing out a new technology. So I tell her the whole story about the head, you know, cooling and the whole thing. And she's like, oh, okay, that sounds pretty cool. I guess, you know, give it a shot, right? So I turned it on and I closed my eyes. I woke up eight and a half hours later. Beautiful. Same position, hadn't moved a muscle, okay? So I was like, and you know that, you know when you get a great night's sleep? I know it doesn't happen a lot, but you know, and you wake up in the morning and you're like, yes! You're like, I crushed it last night. I am stoked, right? Like you're into it and you're the whole yeah. thing. That's how I felt. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep the next night without the head chiller. Woke up, woke up kind of normal. Third night, put the head chiller on again. Woke up just brimming with energy. And then my wife asked me to borrow it and I told her to go buy her own. <laughs> I don't know. I can't believe it took you an hour to tell me about the head chiller. I love that. Okay. I'll get this, you one. You want I, one? I, are you kidding? Of course. I'm trying to, you know, survive it out here. I know. Um, you know, I was talking to PJ earlier today. I love PJ. PJ I am. Uh, I have a, I, ha, I live with a high wattage group, you know, I, people go, you train so hard. I go, I'm just trying to keep up with these people in my family. <laughs> I love is, it. Uh, okay, final question. Uh, is dessert going to hurt my my sleep? No, I eat ice cream almost every night. No, come on. I swear to God. Okay, I have to do the non-dairy. I, I have to do- say dairy and sugar together is one of the worst things we could do to our bodies. I know, but, <laughs> but if you have like uh, coconut milk, it's actually not too bad for you. So I actually do the low sugar Coconut milk, low dairy ice cream. I don't do it every night, but to be fair, yeah, I like my ice cream. Um, well, I don't think that dessert is a terrible thing. Uh, one thing I promised my wife very early on in our relationship, she told me that if I ever told people that they could not eat chocolate, that she would divorce me on the spot. <laughs> she eats chocolate every single day, just are to you, be clear. 
Now, dark chocolate better than the other ones or, or just earlier in the day? Just earlier, earlier in the day is where I would say is probably the best bet for you. But yeah. to be honest with you, you, it's really about the caffeine content. Yeah. And there's just not enough caffeine in chocolate. Although I will tell you a funny story. I had one person who had a, a chocolate problem. She had a five pound Hershey bar. You know those things that come out at Christmas? You know what I'm talking about? Of course. And she would just gnaw on it arr, arr, like before yeah. bed. It's disgusting, right? Like you can't do that. But if you want to have, you know, she, uh, a 250 calorie snack, you're fine. What? Was she going through a heartbreak or something? No, like, this was just like her habit. She brought it into the sleep lab. It was crazy. We didn't know what was wrong with her. She pulled the sheet up in front of her head and then she'd be doing this. And she'd be chewing. Okay. It was oh, weird. <laughs> People do weird stuff in sleep labs. Trust me. I can, we'll tell, I'll tell you some stories one day. Um, what about meals in general? Is it better to, to, to try to eat maybe, you know, so you're not digesting while you're trying to also go to sleep? Well, remember the human body was not meant to digest lying down. Um, it was really meant to digest either sitting or standing. So I like people to eat a little bit earlier in the night, but you shouldn't go to bed hungry because that'll make it difficult. So like a 250 calorie snack about 30 minutes before bed is not the worst thing in the world. I like it to be, now you're not gonna like this. I like it to be about 75% carbs and 25% either protein or fat. Now you're gonna be like carbs before bed, but um, listen to the carbs that yeah. I'm talking about. So like if you did like an apple and nut butter, that would be a perfect snack. Or like rice cake with avocado, that would be a perfect snack. Because what we're trying to do, people don't know it, but carbohydrates, increase serotonin levels, which is the comfort hormone. Remember, that's why we call it comfort food. And so it helps kind of chill you out. Um, and the fat is really good because it helps really bring your system in and kind of concentrate and works a lot better that way. Well, like I said at the beginning of this, Dr. Michael Bruce, you could have done the interview. I This is one of the easiest uh, <laughs> interviews I've ever done, but I, I really appreciate all the takeaways. And um, I will put all of the things that we talked about in the show notes, please direct everybody. Um, so it's the sleepdoctor.com. Yep. Uh, and then and chrono quiz, C-H-R-O-N is in Nancy, O-Q-U-I-Z.com. And then where else are we directing people? So you can find me, I do, I send out sleep tips on Instagram. Um, almost every day. So it's The Sleep Doctor on Instagram. I'm also got The Sleep Doctor on Facebook, as well as on LinkedIn and whatever other social media there is. I'm sure that's, I'm on there too. And wait, one more thing. What was it? Huh? 74 genetic or 72? I can't remember the number. 74 different genetic uh, markers that I can run uh, your 23andMe data up against, and I can show you exactly what's going on with your sleep. Yeah. So I think it's just important for people to know that you're having fun and you've put you know, cool avatars to things, but there's data and science and it's just important for people to, I always, you know, my whole thing is reminding people that you are your best advocate for whatever dimension of your health and, and, um, and that there are some really fun ways to still get the hard facts. So thank you. So yeah, much. no, it's my pleasure to do so. And, and, you know, I just want to encourage people, look, sleep's not as difficult as it sounds. I swear to God, you've been doing it since the day you were born. The likelihood is you're, you're going to be able to figure it out. Sometimes we have to re-educate or relearn how to sleep a little bit, but I promise everyone a good night's sleep is definitely in your future. I I believe I believe that, but I have one more now. You just prompted me to ask you a question. Have you had people come into your lab? Of course you have, but they're either not in the right relationship or they haven't cleared the decks correctly or they're in a job that they absolutely hate and that really maybe that their sleep, it's sort of like, managing 
your external life to match your internal self. Do you, do you ever end up kind of arriving at that part of the path? So it's very interesting. Sleep is a window into a whole host of different things. And so when somebody's sleep is messed up, their life is messed up. And so when you look at their, your own sleep habits or you, or you have chaotic sleep, there may be, this may be trying to tell you that you've got something going on that's chaotic in your life as well. That could be a mental health issue. That could be a relationship issue. That could be a physical issue. But sleep is a window. There's no question about it. And if you're not happy with your sleep, there's something else probably going on. Thank you, Dr. Bruce. Of course. Thank you. You got to start calling me Michael. I know, but you know, you're being, we're official. Okay. Sweet dreams. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.